So I'm not taking this thing lightly, but uh, we need to pray, amen, that God will help us through this. And speaking about uh, the lies, amen, I want to minister a message, amen, that I've entitled Living a Lie. And I want to read out of Genesis chapter number 37 for just a moment. The story that we have before us, amen, is a very familiar story that I have preached on numbers of times. And, but uh, I want to approach it from a different perspective. This is the story of uh, Joseph. And we know, amen, that Joseph had, uh, uh, there were uh, 12 brothers and uh, his brothers were all jealous of him. Uh, his older brothers, amen, were jealous of him because uh, his uh, father, Jacob, amen, seemed to favor him. And, uh, and so they concocted a plan, had the opportunity, amen, to, they wanted, actually originally wanted to kill him. Uh, and then they decided to uh, sell him, amen, uh, into slavery. Make some money off of the bum. So they did. But they had to tell the story, amen. They had to tell a story to their father. Because this, after all, is their favorite son. So this is what they, this was uh, Jacob's favorite son. So this is where we pick up the story. Verse 31. I'm reading out of the NIV. It says, then they got Joseph's robe. They slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in blood. They took the ornamental robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and he said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I have no confidence in the flesh. I pray that you would strengthen my spirit and my physical body and anoint my lips of clay and allow me to preach and to minister with power, with anointing, and with confidence. Anoint every word, God. Touch every word spoken this evening, Father God. And Lord, carry every word forth. Let it not fall to the ground, but carry it to the hearts of your people. Those that are here, those that are on live stream, Father, touch them and minister to them. And help us all, Father, in Jesus' precious name. And God's people said... Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, Valerie, uh, Valerie Portlock, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, 25, is charged with first-degree criminal impersonation of an officer, second-degree reckless endangerment, unlawful fleeing from a police officer, and other traffic violations in Nassau County, New York, according to Newsday. Portlock from Hicksville was driving a Nissan Sentra at about 11 a.m., cops said. He attempted to pull over an unmarked van by using an air horn and emergency lights. Surprise, surprise, there were electronic squad detectives inside the van. The van stopped and the real police approached him and Portlock was promptly arrested. 
Now this is a great illustration of a grown man living out his childhood fantasy of being a cop. I don't know if you knew this, but it is a crime to do that. Actually, it is a story of a man living a lie. And this reminds me of this story that we have before us, amen, concerning Joseph. Now, actually concerning Joseph's brothers, the patriarchs. We usually uh, focus, when we read this story, we usually focus on, on Joseph and how he was uh, violated and how he was uh, taken advantage of and, and uh, uh, you know, betrayed by his own brothers, amen, uh, sold into slavery by his own brothers. Uh, but listen to me, uh, I want to give uh, an inside look uh, at the brothers' lives, those uh, who did this to Joseph. I want to get it behind the story seen here, amen. The reality is that for some 20 years, now listen to me, church. For some 20 years, these men had lived a lie. They had lied to their father. They had lied to their little brother. They had lied to God. And they had lied to themselves. Their whole lives were built upon a lie. Their whole lives were built upon deception. Now there's many of God's own precious people, amen, that are exactly there. In many respects, living a similar lie. I want to preach for a moment a message I've entitled Living a Lie. And I want to talk to you first of all about the difficulty of deception. The first difficulty that I want to consider is the internal resistance to the truth. You know that the brothers had, uh, they had to somehow find a way to justify themselves and to do that, they had to resist the truth. They could not justify what they'd done. What they did was a crime. What they did was a horrible sin. What they did was, was terrible, amen, to enslave somebody, to sell out their own brother into slavery, amen, to a desire to kill him, and then to turn around and lie about it, amen. And so somehow they had to justify it, and the only way that you can justify living a certain way is by resisting the truth. Amen. There's something inside of us that often resists truth. There's an internal resistance, amen, to an honest assess assessment of ourselves. 
And so what happens uh, is we have to pretend like everything's okay. That's exactly what the patriarchs did. They went back home and they had to get back to life as usual. They had just sold out their brother, amen, uh, 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 into slavery. Uh, They had lied to their father. They had lied to themselves. Uh, They had lied to their little brother. They had lied to God. Uh, That somehow, uh, in spite of all of this, uh, they had to somehow, somewhere, amen be able to get back to some semblance or some sense of normalcy amen so they have to pretend like everything is okay the bible says in james 5 in verse 16 confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much now this is a difficult scripture for many of us amen we don't live in a confess your faults uh, to one another society come on somebody we live in a society where we put on masks amen where we put up fronts and facades come on somebody this is the uh, the, the society Society that we have built for ourselves, amen. We don't, we pretend like everything's okay, even though we know that it's not, amen. We come to church, amen, and we pretend like everything is good, amen. And the reality is that everything is falling apart. You are living a lie. We say we're doing great, but we're not. We're sick, we're depressed. We're stressed out. We say that our kids, that our marriage, that everything is great. But we're addicted. We have hatred. We have secret sin. Come on, somebody. We have bitterness. We have all kind of stuff inside of us. Amen. But we act like everything's good. We put on the front. We put on the mask. Amen. And we pretend. And we'll say it. Oh, everything's good, pastor. Everything's good. Come on, somebody. When I was... Pastoring in Arizona many years ago, there was a man in my church by the name of Joe. And Joe had asked me if I would come with him uh, one afternoon to visit a co-worker. Uh, and uh, Joe confided in me that this man, his co-worker, his wife had just left him. And, uh, and he was truly depressed and having a very difficult time. He says, can you come with me, Pastor? And maybe we could minister to him. So we went to visit him. And I remember he lived in some old trailer. We walked into the trailer. And it was obvious. This is probably about 4 in the afternoon. And it's obvious that he's just waking up. Uh, we walk inside. His hair's all jacked up. Uh, hey, man, he's all dirty. And there's beer cans all over the place Uh, it's obvious you could feel the spirit of depression in there and so I began to talk to him and I began to tell him that God wanted to help him that God wanted to change some things in his life amen and he says to me oh I'm good I'm happy everything is good he didn't know that I knew (laughs) amen Then there is another difficulty, and that is the internal enslavement of a lie. Now listen to me, church. 
Because first of all, we resist the truth because we must somehow justify the lie that we're living in. And so, listen, before we go any further here, I want to examine what a lie is. What is a lie? Well, a lie, somebody said, is a falsehood, an attempt to deceive. It is the untruth. But I submit to you, saints of God, that when you live a lie... It's more than an untruth. It's more than just telling uh, a falsity. When you live a lie, you are opening the door to evil. Amen, pastor. That when you live a lie, amen, you are opening demonic strongholds in your life to better understand the effects and the force behind a lie. I want you to consider these words of Jesus. In John 17, verse 17, he said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so here's Jesus praying to the Father. Amen. He says something very profound regarding the truth. He says, sanctify them, purify them cleanse them set them apart free them from guilt separate them and consecrate them by the truth and so the simple definition of this word truth is the exact opposite of a lie and so now listen to me Jesus also said you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free so it stands to reason that if the truth can purify you and the truth can make you free then a lie Amen. A lie will put you in bondage. A lie will do the exact opposite. Truth sets people free. Truth purifies our lives. Truth sets us apart and consecrates us. But a lie does the exact opposite. It smirches us, dirties us, and enslaves us. Amen. This deception brings us under the enemy's power. How do I know this? John 8 verse 44. Jesus said to the Pharisees, to those Jews that were trying to believe, but yet, amen, they were still resisting. He said, you are of your father the devil. The lust of the father you will do, of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. He is a liar and the father of it. And so if the truth and if honesty will purify you, separate you, cleanse you, consecrate you, and free you from the guilt of sin, then the lie will do the exact opposite. When you live a lie, listen to me, saints of God, these 11, these 10 men in our text were living a lie and they had become enslaved. They had become contaminated. And this brings me to my second point. And that is desperate about deception. See, there's something that is inescapable. I want you to understand that when you are living a lifestyle of deception, there is no easy out. Amen. There is no escaping. There is, there, you cannot escape because it is a self-made prison when you are living a lie you know 
that you're living a lie. You know that things ain't right. You know that there's sin. You know that there's bitterness. You know that you're robbing God. You know that you're lying. You're living a lie. Oh, come on, somebody. You understand that, and you have made for yourself your own prison, and it's inescapable because you've made your own prison. Back at home, Joseph's brothers tried to carry on as if nothing was amiss. But every single day they saw their dad. Amen. Now listen to me. Because the Bible says in our text, in verse 34, that Jacob mourned his son many days. The New Living Translation has it this way, a long time. The message has it this way, a long, long time. Amen. Now listen to me, saints of God. I'm going somewhere with this. Here are these men. They are being tormented by the lie every time they see their dad every time they see their little brother every time they come to sacrifice to God every time they try to pray they are reminded of the lie that they are living every single day day after day week after week month after month a year after year after 20 years living a lie tormented desperate in a self-made prison. See, what we have here is the highest form of delusion. Now listen, how many of you have ever been lied to? I can't see your hands if you're on live stream and folks here ain't being very cooperative. Okay, I got a couple of hands, three hands. All right, good, good. But you know, nobody likes to be lied to, right? I don't. I mean, you know, I've had people lie to me. I hate it. it, it it's, it's vexing. It's like, man, how, why would you do that? Nobody likes to be lied to. It's a terrible thing. Then there are those people, amen, and these are the worst ones. Because, you know, I mean, there was those who would lie. I, would, I mean, I, I had a friend, uh, one of my homeboys from the gang, uh, you know, he was a little skinny guy. And uh, he was a funny looking guy, short, big ears, big nose trying to prove himself amen and so he would lie about everything he would lie about you know uh, how he beat somebody up he he would lie about his uh, his uh, uh, conquests uh, with girls uh, he would lie about everything but the thing was is that we knew this guy and every time he would tell a lie uh, amen you know how we knew he was lying because he opened his mouth Every time he, it was a lie we shut up Charlie amen that was his name Charlie uh, some would call him the bionic rat some of you don't know what bionic means. It's okay. But then there was another guy. His name was Frank. He was also one of the homeboys. And he always lied too. But the bad thing about this guy is if you called him on it, he'd want to fight you. He'd go to blows with you. Are you calling me a liar? This is how much he believed his own lie. We knew he was lying. Every time we saw him, he would tell us three weeks ago. It was always three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, man, I got surrounded by eight guys. Beat them all down. But this was the worst part. It's not somebody lying to him. It's he lying to himself. 
I mean, he is so self-deceived that he's go- if you call him on it, he's going to fight you. That's how much he believes in his own life. Come on, somebody. Now listen, because we're talking here about the highest form of delusion. In Genesis 42, verse 21, they said to one another, surely, this is now when they're standing before Joseph, 20 years down the road, they don't know, amen, that it's Joseph. And they're saying, surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben replied, didn't I tell you not? to sin against the boy but you wouldn't listen now we must give an accounting for his blood now think about that these men you must know that deep inside they would be willing to do anything to be free there's some of you here some of you listening on live stream right now amen that the lie that you've been living is tormenting you the way that you've been living is tormenting you because you're acting like everything's good on the outside everything is good but on the inside you are being twisted you are being tortured you are being mentally harassed emotionally harassed come on somebody and freedom from this lie seems to be nothing but a dream see that's the power of the lie especially when it is self-induced self-delusion is the highest form of delusion and therefore the hardest to free ourselves from. This was self-delusion. These men were lying to people, but they had to somehow also convince themselves that they could continue living this way. Amen. Are y'all following me? Hallelujah. Self-delusion. The in, in Jeremiah 17 verse Uh, Number nine, the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. And this is how we are led into a place of desperation. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You could sense the desperation in Joseph's brother's. of their own deceit, their own making. And this leads me to the conclusion of dominion over deception. Due to mankind's fall, listen, Adam, in Adam rather, the human heart became corrupted and ruined. J. Vernon McGee said these words, all men have hearts which are deceitful, dirty, Filthy and wicked. There is a sinfulness in our hearts. You know, you, you, you hear people say, listen to your heart. Just whatever your heart tells you to do. Listen, can I tell you this? Hey, hey, please don't. Because the Bible says the heart is deceitful. The, the heart doesn't always have your best interests in mind. Come on, somebody. There is a sinfulness in the hearts of men and women that many times we're not even aware that it is there. We don't even suspect that it is there. And it is a common mistake for people to think that their hearts are much better than what they really are. 
Oh, my heart's good. We say that, don't we? Oh, they got a good heart. God knows my heart. Exactly. God knows your heart. And he knows that it is deceitful. And he knows that it's desperately wicked. We have this common, this mentality, and, and we make this common mistake. And we look at our hearts, and we think that they're much better than what they really are. But God knows your heart like nobody does. But people trust their own hearts. And that is the reason that some of you are struggling so much. You're going to listen, you hear preaching. I've counseled some of y'all, amen, and you know what you need to do, but your heart tells you, you know, you're not that bad. You know, this ain't so bad, and it is. Don't listen to your, your heart. Listen to the word of God. Listen to your pastor preaching. Listen to the counsel, amen, of your headship. Main reason in fact, that many people don't get saved is because they trust their own heart. Oh, you're okay. How many of you ever witnessed to somebody and they tell you they're okay? No, I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm good. It's all good. Amen. They're, they're listening to their deceitful heart. They're, they're trusting in their own heart. They're trusting and they're saying, you know what? I ain't so bad because sometimes I, I guess maybe it's because we compare ourselves. Well, yeah, you know, if you compare me to Charles Manson, I'm a saint. <laughs> and we trust our own hearts. So how do we get delivered? And how do we gain dominion? Over the deception in our lives. I'm glad you asked. There's three things that we must do. First of all, there must be an exposing of our hearts. Again, let's go back to Joseph's brothers. Although they themselves knew what they had done, it was still very much covert, right? I mean, nobody, this was like one of those things we're going to take to our deaths. Amen. I don't know about you. But there are some things in my life that I've done in the past that I will never tell a single soul, never, ever, ever, never. I will go to my grave. The only one that I need to tell is God, and I already cleared it with the Lord. This is what was happening with Joseph's brothers. This was something that they were going to take to the grave. They would never let their father know. They would never let uh, their son, know, their brother know. They would never confess it to God. They would never uh, allow this to be exposed. Amen. This was covert. They're taking it to the grave. Come on, somebody. But listen to Proverbs 28, verse 13. He that covers or hides his sin shall not prosper. Amen. You, you know, you can say, I'm going to take it to the grave, but you will not prosper. There are so many, listen, I've known of pastors, amen, that were living in adultery, that were living in pornography, that were living in immorality. Nobody knew, amen, and, and they thought that they're getting away. They thought that they're going to take this to the grave with them. But listen, the scripture says that he who covers his sin is not going to prosper a man will not prosper. Joseph, 
Genesis 43, verse 3, he said to his brothers, I am Joseph here. He is exposing himself, right? He's revealing his identity. They didn't know, did not recognize him. He was speaking in hieroglyphics. He's speaking in Egyptian. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brothers, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves. Listen, with yourselves. They had sinned and they had lied to themselves. They had deceived themselves. Be not angry with yourselves. You sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life uh, by Joseph exposing himself to them. It was actually uh, a man and exposing of them by Joseph. Listen, when Joseph came out, when Joseph said, it is me, uh, it exposed them. They could no longer hide what they had done. They could no longer cover what they had done. They could no longer say, we're going to take this to the grave. David could never be free. He lied, right? Committed adultery with Bathsheba. Impregnated her. Tried to bring Uriah, her husband, back from war so that he could be with her, so that he could think that the child was his. Tried to cover it up. Didn't work. So he sends him to battle and he gives orders. He sends it. He, he gives him the contract for his head in his own hand to deliver it to the person that was going to kill him. <laughs> he says, take this to your general. The letter said, send Uriah to the battlefront. And when the battle gets hot, pull everybody back and leave him there. And basically he had Uriah murdered. He's trying to cover up. But he could not be free. Everything was falling apart in his life. Until he was actually exposed. By the prophet Nathan. So there must be an exposing of our hearts. Secondly, listen to me. There must be a confessing of our sin. There's an old saying that confession is good for the soul. But I'm here to tell you, that's more than just a cute little quip. It is the power that will pull you out of your deceived heart and your deceived life. Again, Proverbs 28. He that covers his sin shall not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. The lie must be exposed and the lie must be confessed. This is crucial. This is why salvation, you know, there's people that are so stupid that don't believe in altar because, oh, we don't believe in altar. We don't believe in people going to the altar and praying up a sin. There's no such thing as a sinner's prayer. What do you mean there's no such thing, you bonehead? The Bible says, 
says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. There must be a belief and along with that, a confession with the mouth. Words spoken, amen, agreeing with God, calling it what God calls it, not what you've been calling it. That's what it means to confess your sin. To call it what God calls it. Oh, I just got this problem. No, no, no. That problem is adultery. Oh, pastor, I just got this little issue. No, no, no. That issue is an addiction. You're getting high. You're smoking dope. You're getting drunk. Oh, it's just a little issue. Call it what God calls it. Amen. The lie must be exposed and the lie must be confessed. And as you do, scripture says you will find mercy and you will prosper in your marriage. You will prosper in your ministry. You will prosper in your money. You will prosper in the marketplace. You will prosper in every arena of life. And thirdly, there must be a recognizing, an exposing of our hearts, a confessing of our sins, and a recognizing of their God. See, the brothers needed to see that it was God. That God was dealing with them. That God was yanking their covers. That the Lord was involved in the very thing that was happening in their lives. Can I tell you, my brother, my sister, if you are being exposed, uh, if your heart is being convicted, uh, can I tell you that conviction is not this preacher, it's not this man. Remember what I preached this morning is the empowering of the Holy Spirit. It's God's Spirit. It's God's Holy Ghost uh, who comes uh, to convict of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. In Genesis 50, verse 20 and verse 24, Joseph says to his brothers, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. And Joseph said unto his brothers, verse 24, God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land into a land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. God wanted them to recognize that God was involved. Listen, if your heart's being exposed, if you're being convicted to confess, you must understand that it is God that is involved. It is the Lord. It is the Holy Ghost that's dealing with you because the Holy Ghost can move. Listen, I can speak words, and I can speak them as loud and as powerful and as, and as forceful as I possibly can. But if the Holy Ghost don't get involved, amen, there's no sense in it. But when the Holy Ghost anoints his word, and in this case, amen, that's what they needed to see. That this was God speaking. That this was God exposing. That this was God bringing them to confession. Listen. The problem, amen, is that the devil has the ability to exploit our self-deception, to exploit our own cover-up. And the bigger problem here is that this will cause us to live miserable lives. I think that so many of God's people, the reason...
that they live so mediocre, so below where they need to be is because of this very thing. The Bible says that the wicked flee when no man pursues. Listen to me. I'm not saying that you're wicked. I'm simply saying that there are things in our lives that we're not being honest about. And until we confess them, until we bring them and expose them and recognize God in the midst and, and bring them to God and lay them at the altar, amen, we're going to continue living in misery. Why? Because of the guilt let me take you back again to these men. Every single day when they saw their father. And the Bible says for many years, for a long time. We don't know if it was for years, but we know it was for a long time. I'm sure it was for years. Maybe the entire 20 years. They would see the weeping, the mourning, the heaviness of Jacob. And they were reminded every day the guilt was on them. You know why? Because they were, they were self-deceived. They were keeping this inside. One of the things that I can attest to when I was in the world, the scripture says that the wicked flee when no man pursues. Well, I can attest to that. Whenever I saw cop lights, the, the cop cars, amen, I'm, I was sure. I'd start, oh, I was sure they were coming after me. Why? Because I had a guilty conscience. I was always up to no good. And saints, it wasn't until the day, and this continues. This continues even as Christians. Amen. David tried to hide things in his heart. He was a man of God. And it wasn't until he was exposed until he confessed it and called it what God called it, until he recognized God in it, I have sinned against the Lord. It wasn't until he came to that place that he was set free. And God wants to set you free. I want our heads bowed and our eyes closed.